This Word of God has saved my life time and time and time again. Changed my life and everything in it, man. And then through it, I've been able to see countless lives be changed and, and altered and, and granted eternity, man, through the words that are written in these pages, through the breath of God that, that, that was transferred in, in, you know, through people's you know, lives and, and through their hands into these pages, man, has changed everything. But, you know, uh, when I say the Word of God saved my life, I'm serious, man. There was a night that I was sitting in a hotel room all by myself, feeling abandoned and alone and forsaken. and I decided that life wasn't worth living anymore. And I decided to do something about it and take it into my own hands and just go ahead and end it so nobody else had to. I decided that, that it was, uh, the world would be better off without me and that anything would be better than the nightmare that I was living in. And so I reached into the dresser drawer there beside me, the nightstand in that hotel room for the instrument that I was going to use to end my life that night. And somehow, I didn't come out with the weapon that I had reached into that drawer to get. At that time, I had no idea, no understanding about what had just happened. Of course, now I realize that it was the power of the Holy Spirit of the living God. Can somebody say amen? amen. But at the time, I didn't understand what had happened. I reached in there to get a weapon, and I came out with a hardback King James Version Gideon Bible that some man of God had placed in that hotel room just for some crazy sinner like me to reach in there and find. And man, I wanted to just put it back and I couldn't put it back and then I wanted to throw it across the room and I couldn't throw it across the room and I just couldn't get it out of my hand. And so I decided to open it. But I didn't open it up to the book of John and read John 3.16 about how I could be a whosoever and I didn't want nothing to do with the love of God in that moment. I was interested in death and destruction and all the things that come with it. I knew where to find it too because I hadn't been to Sunday school before. So I opened it up to the back of the book. And I read the Revelation from beginning to end, man, from Revelation 1.1 all the way to Revelation 22.21. I read the whole thing. It started out about how Jesus convicts and condemns the church. And I loved every minute of it because I hated the church. I was like, sick them, Jesus, tell them. Right. And then it talks a bunch about the throne room of God, and that was okay. And then I got to the part about trumpets being blown and bowls being poured out and all that kind of stuff, and I thought that was really cool. And then there's a part in there about an archangel doing battle with a giant red dragon, and I was like, hey, this is cool right here, man. Like, I could read this all day. And, and I read all that stuff, man, and then it got to the part about where it says that Jesus Christ is going to split open the eastern sky and ride in with a name on his side, on his leg that only he can read that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool, too. I kind of like that guy, Revelation Jesus, right? Yeah, my kid's favorite Bible character is Revelation Jesus, so I figure we're doing something right, right? And then I got to the very end of the book, and I read the last verse in all of Scripture. You know what the last verse of the Bible says? Revelation 22 and 21, it says this. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And that three-letter word changed my life forever. Because for the first time in my whole life, I thought that maybe this word of God, man, maybe this gospel was not just for the good people. I thought maybe this word of God, maybe this grace of God, maybe this love of God, maybe it's not just for the ones that got it right. Maybe it's not just for the Sunday church crowd. Maybe it's not just for the ones in the suits, man. Maybe it's not just for the ones that, that are willing to, to put in the time and the effort and, and to show up and to give the money and to do all the stuff that the church people do and talk right and live right and be right. Maybe it's not just for them. 
Maybe it's for me too. Maybe it's for me. And if it could be for me, then it could be for anybody. And, and, and so for the first time in my life, man, I thought maybe the grace of God is available to me. And it was all because of what I read in this book. Not because of what the world said, not because of what I thought, but because of what I read in the Word of God. And that night, man... That night, feeling alone and this close to death, I read from the book of life, and it gave me hope. And that hope was a light in all my darkness. And that hope is what I hung on to when things got hard. And that hope is what I hung on to when things got too good. And that hope is what finally brought me to my knees at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that hope is how I surrendered to him. And by the power of his love, was set free and brought to life And thank you, Jesus. The word Bible comes from the Latin la Biblia, which means the scrolls or the books. And it was derived from the ancient city Biblos, which is where you got all your paper back in the day. The Bible's been translated into over 500 languages. It's been partially translated into, into over 3,000 languages. We're going to add to that very soon. We're going to join a ministry that's going to uh, do some work to get that into even more people's hands. The Bible's not a single work, but a collection of work from over 40 different human authors, but we know it has one ultimate author. Can you say amen? The King James Bible has 788,258 words, 31,107 verses, 1,189 chapters, and 66 books, and every one of them filled with truth and grace. Can you say amen? The shortest verse in the Bible is John 11:35, which says, yeah, Jesus wept. That's exactly right. The longest book in the Bible is Psalm 119, which is devoted to the truth of the Scriptures. I find it interesting how the shortest verse in the Bible has to do with emotions, and the longest book of the Bible is all about truth. And that doesn't mean that Jesus' emotions weren't real. They were. He just values truth a lot more than he values emotions, even his own. Can you say amen? I just think that that was very interesting. Say amen if I say something you agree with. God's word is truth. God's word is grace. God's word is living. God's word is useful. God's word is the power of life. The rest of the world will crumble to dust. The flower fades and the people die. But the word of God will last forever. Can you give God praise for that at the Way Church? Come on. Would you guys stand to your feet real quick for the reading of God's word? I'm in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 3. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so don't lock your knees, like bend them just a little. They teach that in the military, right? So it's parade stance, right? You bend them just a hair so they don't lock up on you. I'm just kidding. And I'm going to try not to do any exposition as I walk through the scriptures. So just bear with me. You hold me accountable, though, right? If I start preaching, just be like, well... <laughs> But know this, hard times will come in the last days. It's hard not to say something. <laughs> hard times is here. Okay. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pressure, pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding on to a form of godliness but denying its power. That sounds like my resume. 
Hey, sounds like some of y'all's resume too. <laughs> Avoid these people. Woo. Yeah, stay back. <laughs> For among them are those who would worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions. Always learn and never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard, in regard to faith. Whew. But they will not make further progress. Come on. For their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Jonas and Jambres. But you. Say, but you. Usually it's but God, but this time it's but you. So listen close. But you have followed my teaching. Conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and suffering that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Actually, it says from them all. Yeah, there's that word again. The Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't know why y'all are surprised. They said mean things to me. Of course they did. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, listen up, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are available to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching rebuking, correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Father, we pray you impart this word to us today, that you'll unlock its wisdom, God, that you'll just unleash its glory within us, Father. I pray that we'd receive this word today and that it would empower us to be the people of God you called us to be. God, I pray we'd be people of the book, not drawn aside by every new idea that seems to come down the pipe, but rather drawn into your grace and into your glory and into your power by your glorious word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give God praise for the word of God today, huh? Come on. Hard times. The Bible says it's the end times and the last days. Hard times are going to come. Well, guess what, Way Church? Congratulations. Hard times are here. They're here. Hard times. Dusty Rhodes did a famous wrestling promo called Hard Times, man. Some of y'all have read, have heard that before. Look it up on YouTube. It's great, man. But yeah, man, hard times is when everything falls apart on you. Hard times is when every person is, is, is out for themselves, man. Hard times is when there's no love for God and no love for people. You know, real hard times is when a whole world turns its back on God and starts living for itself. That's hard times. And, and every criteria that is listed in this scripture, man, people will be lovers of self. <laughs> the very word selfie is an abomination. It's an abomination. It is, man. It is, you know, Pastor Brent preached a message, you know, about last year sometime, and he was like, you know, we, we go on a trip and we see this waterfall, and the first thing we think is, hey, this is going to look good with me in the foreground. <laughs> People will be lovers of money. 
Yeah, the only God that Jesus ever compares himself to in Scripture is the little G God of mammon, of money, of riches, of wealth. And man, we have succumbed to it now. Man, we worship at the ATM, don't we? We worship at it. I mean, debt is our God for most people around here. I mean, debt is our God. We bow down and worship at the APR, and it's disgusting. It really is. And, and, and we spend our whole lives questing after it. And we think that people have arrived and succeeded in life because they got a lot of cash in their bank account. Do you know that the suicide rate climbs exponentially once you get to a certain level of income and wealth? It does. Because they thought that they were going to find what they needed in that. Guess what? It's not there. It's not there. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving. Yeah, that would be my Tinder profile if I had one. I don't. I don't. I don't even, I don't even know what that was until I was preparing for this message. I don't. Hey, not me. Look, my wife. My wife was at a had to like be gone for work a couple weeks ago for like several days in a row. Uh uh, single life is not for me. No, I'm gonna do whatever I got to do to keep my marriage together. Yes, baby, let me rub your feet, pregnant baby. Let me get you whatever you need. You need ice water? I got it. You need whatever this is? Yes, I'm on top of it. You know, I, yeah, I'm here to provide, protect, provision, love, sacrifice, whatever I need. But I'm saying if I, if I did have one, then it would say ungrateful, unloving, unholy. Because that's what people are today. We're ungrateful. We're an ungrateful bunch. You don't hear people say, what has God done for me lately? Well, for the first place, he breathed the breath of life into you and made you a living soul. You don't exist without God. Number two, he gave you the ground to stand on. Every time you take a breath, it is only by the grace of God. Every beat of your heart is only because he desires to allow your heart to beat in your chest. The sun rises because he says rise and sits because he says sit. The wind blows and the rain falls and the sun shines only because the grace of God has demanded that it be so. What has God done for you lately? Everything, everything, everything. Yeah, man, come on, let's clap for him. He deserves it. And God's done everything for you. Everything. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light that's in the book of James. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light. He's done everything for you. And yet, what an ungrateful bunch that we are. What an ungrateful bunch. When's the last time we prayed for that? And, and most of us, like, like most people in the world, don't even pray at all. Dude, I had this, I didn't even talk about this first service. I'm just going to go off script, man. huh? I was praying the other day. Hold on a minute. I was praying the other day, and I was just talking to God, you know, and I was talking to God, and for the first time in a long time, and this is kind of what I was getting at, man, when's the last time you just prayed and just thanked God and just, like, didn't ask him for anything? You know what I mean? You were just like, God, thank you. And, I mean, dude, I was just sitting there in my office at work just, like, crying, and somebody knocked on my door, and I was like, hang on a minute. They were like, oh, we'll just come back. Yeah. Just crying, and I was just thanking God for all he's done, man. You know, thanking God that he took a broken down, messed up, addicted, you know, person filled with violence and apathy and just hate and ugh, and just, man, forgave me and healed me and helped me. Took away all my fears and, and, and all my pain and all my shame and guilt. 
and filled me up with his Holy Spirit and made me have a desire for him instead of a, di- a desire for the things of the world, you know, restored my, my marriage with my wife to me, you know, gave us a bunch of kids that we don't deserve and, and uh, allowed us to, to be in ministry and, and, and lead just a group of such amazing people to the cross of Christ and to, to help forge us all together into disciples. And I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you so much, God. Thank you. Thank you for all you've done. And thank you for what you're doing now. And God, I just thank you for what you're going to do because I know it's going to be good. And, and after I got done praying, man, I was wiping the tears off my face and off my desk. And I was just like, I was talking to God. And dude, it was just so heavy. And I was just like, for a minute, I was just like overwhelmed. I couldn't even move. I was just like, like I was talking to the creator of the universe. And he heard me. Sometimes he talks back. And it was just overwhelming. And how can I be ungrateful? And how can I be unloving to a God that has loved me so much? And this is what we do. And unholy, don't get me started on unholy. I'd be up here all day and everybody would probably leave. But we know that none of us can be holy. Not on our own. That's being under the law, right? And we don't want to go there. The law of God's great. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's wonderful. We can't do it. So why would we want to hang a rope around somebody else's neck that we can't even carry ourselves? But the law was made to lead us to grace. But, but the, problem, the problem with the word unholy that he's using in here is means that people are wanting to live this unholy life and they're unwilling to go and receive the grace of God. And it comes down to this, is that these, this whole list of criteria in here of, of, of this hard time world that we live in, it, it is the reality of our world. It is. I mean, this is how people live. You know, lovers of self, lovers of money, seekers of pleasure, not of God. You know, everybody going after themselves, man. And it's not just the reality it's the virtue of our world it's not just what's happening it's what's sought after it is the banner that people are waving to tell you whether or not you've succeeded in life oh you found your own truth yes praise us what there's a whole lot of me 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 i i i going on when there should be a lot of he, 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 him, him, him going on. Can somebody say amen? Like I preached a while back, man, he should be greater than me. Yeah, I like me because it rhymes, man, right? I could say he is greater than I, and that would be better English, but, but he is greater than me. That, it rhymes, so it's cool. But I see people po- post on Facebook, you know, all the time and, and on other social media, and they're like, I'm tired of giving to people and they don't ever give back to me and I'm tired of doing for people and they treat me like this and I'm just done. From now on, I'm going to live for me and do for me and be for me and I and me and me and I. And like earlier that morning, they were like, and the presence of the Lord is upon me and the power of his love is driving me. It's like, dude, you're confused. And then the, the rest of the, yeah, your emotion, man. And then the rest of the, that scripture down there, it says they, they live in a form of godliness, but not the power of it. It's like people get me, they're like, well, I'm spiritual. <laughs> spiritual? Yes, I don't, I don't go to church. But I'm just spiritual. And it's like, 
Well, dude, the devil is a spirit, so you're going to have to be more specific than that. Everybody want to be spiritual. Don't nobody want to be biblical, though? But that's the reality of the world that we live in, man, a world without God. Do you know that atheist just means without God? I mean, the, the prefix A means without, and theist means, means with God. So you're saying without God. And that's the world we live in is a world without God, where everybody thinks that they can do everything that they need to do on their own without God. People are like, why would I need a provider when I could just provide for myself? Why do I need a protector when I can just protect myself? Why do I need to be justified? I'll just justify myself. Why do I need to be sanctified? I'll just sanctify myself. Why would I need to be healed? I can just heal myself. Why would I need to be brought to life when I can just? Wait a minute. Yeah, we can do a lot of those other things by our own strength. One thing we can't. Brings me real quick. I'm going to get through this quickly, man. We got baptisms today. Brings us to Jonathan Jambres. Jonathan Jambres were the wizards in Pharaoh's court during the Exodus. Jonathan Jambres were the wizards in Pharaoh's court that did that used their dark sorcery to mimic the plagues that God brought through Moses. Right? So so Moses, so God tells Moses, hey, go set my people free. Right? And Moses is like, yeah, I don't know. And God's like, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Well, who am I supposed to tell him sent me? You tell him I am sent you. That'll be enough. And so Moses goes, and Pharaoh's like, no, nah, I'm not letting your people go. And so Moses turns his stick into a snake, right? And so Jonas and Jambres, they turned their sticks into snakes too. Of course, God's snake was better than their snakes because everything of God is better than everything of people. But they still did it, right? They did it. And then so he says no, and so Moses comes back the next day, and he's like, hey, man, so let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh's like, no, nah, I'm not going to let your people go. And so Moses turns the river Nile to blood, right? And... Jonathan Jobbers are able to do the same thing. They're able to turn the, the water to blood too. And so people were thinking, man, so they're doing this by the power of God, but these guys are doing this same miracles, the same power without God. How can this be? And so the third plague comes, and Moses calls frogs up to, you know, take over the whole city, man, and that didn't sound too bad unless you had, like, frogs crawling all over you. Can you imagine, like, throwing the sheets back, and there's, like, frogs all in your bed? And if frogs pee on you, you get warts, right? That's... Maybe that's not true. I don't know. That's what, it, what everybody says, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Brent says it's true. Yeah, so two eggs in one, right? It's gross. And so Jonas and Jombers, they're able to summon frogs from the River Nile, too. They're able to. And, and so they're able to mimic that miracle. And then so the people are watching, and they're like, you know, man, we believed in the Hebrews even are watching. They're like, man, we believed in the power of God, and we believed that he was going to come set us free. But why are people able to mimic all the things that God is able to do through Moses? So then we come to the fourth plague, right? And Moses says, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And so Moses and Aaron are like, okay, gnats. I don't know if you've ever run into a plague of gnats. But they get in your mouth and like up your nose, which I think is the worst. Like in your ears is bad, but I think up your nose is the worst because then you're like... <laughs> And, like, you can feel it, like, moving in there. And it's like, it's going to get my brain. It's going to get my brain. <laughs> and so there's a plague of gnats everywhere, right? Plague of gnats. And there, there's gnats, like, all over everything. And, like, you ever, like, try to have a picnic and there's gnats, like, on your sandwich. And you're like, I don't even want that anymore. Plague of gnats. So think of that, like, times biblical, Right? Think about the cloud of gnats that you walked into when you were out there at Mammoth Cave Park and then times that time, times biblical. 
right? Ugh. And then so Jonathan Jombers are like, okay, here we go. Nats. And nothing happens, right? They're like, okay, maybe we try a little harder. And so they say an incantation or do a little dance or whatever these wizards do. I don't know. Had some spell components. Nothing happens. And so I bet they tried really hard. They were like, okay, here we go. They're probably like the prophets of Baal up on top of the mountain when Elijah was about to cast down fire, right? They're probably dancing and chanting and doing whatever wizards do, man. And they were like, nothing happens, right? And so from then on out, they have no answer for the things of God. None, no answer. All of a sudden, they can't do what God can do. And the Bible doesn't really say why. And so I want to give you a disclaimer before I tell you why I think why. So that I can say that this is just me and what I feel like the Spirit was telling me, but this is like not from Scripture, and I know y'all don't pay me for my opinion, but this is just what I think. I think when they summoned the frogs, they were just summoning them from the river. Does that make sense? They were just summoning the frogs that was already there. I think that when they brought about the plague of gnats, that there were no gnats before. Not that gnats didn't exist, just these specific ones didn't. And I think that, they, that God created by his spoken words those gnats in that moment. I believe that God spoke those gnats to life in that moment. And that's the reason that men could not reproduce the things of God. Because no matter how hard we try, and no matter how, things, how many things that we can do, there's only one that has control over life and death. There's only one that has control over creation and the things of creation. Everything that was made was made through him, and nothing that was made was made without him. Can you say amen? And so I believe that there were no gnats before, and then through Moses, God spoke those gnats into existence, and all of a sudden they covered the landscape. And then all of a sudden the wizards and the people of people did not have an answer for the things of God. And I'll guarantee you, when the angel of death showed up, and the children of Israel started painting that blood on their doorpost, that man had zero answer for that because the grace of God flowed through the blood of the lamb and man can't reproduce that. Can you say amen? amen. And even holds true in science, man. And, and Pastor Vince talked about this at the Emmaus that we were at, man. Like, like people and uh, scientists have filled up all kind of buckets with this primordial ooze and amino acids and all these things and we've run every kind of electricity through it that you could ever imagine. Zero life has ever occurred. Zero. No matter how much that we reproduce what we think the early earth was like, no matter how many like, like carbon-based compounds we put together, no matter how much stuff that we do, scientists have never, ever, 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 ever been able to produce life out of nothing. That's because there is one author of creation. One author of creation. And so we live in a world that says that it can do life without God. But I want to explain this to you. That you don't even have life without God. You don't even have life. There is no life without God. There is no life apart from God. And I love what this scripture says. It says, but you... But you are different. You're different. Why are we different? Why are we not just lovers of self? Why do we love God and love people? Why are we not lovers of money? Why do we love to give away money more than we love to receive it? Why do we do our best instead of being ungrateful and unholy and unloving? Why do we do the best that we can by the power of his spirit to be loving, to be 
grateful, to be righteous and holy. Why do we believe in the power of God and not the power of the world? Why? Because we're people of the book. Because we're people of the book. Because we're not swayed by every new idea that comes down the pipe. Because we stand on the truth of the living God that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Yeah, my son's two, and his brand new word is idea. And I don't know where he got it from. It's from one of them kitty shows that he watched. But he comes out, like, he'll sit up in the bed in the middle of the night and be like, idea. <laughs> okay, dude, what's your idea? Cookie. <laughs> what? No, he did it to me yesterday afternoon. Like, yesterday was Jaden's birthday, and uh, we took cupcakes to his soccer game, and we sang happy birthday to him after the soccer game, and everybody got cupcakes. Even Titus and Luke got cupcakes, too, because they're like the official mascots of Jaden's soccer team, right? You know Luke. He plays here in the floor during first service. It's great. And they're buddies, and they eat cupcakes. And then so, like, later, like about lunchtime, we were fixing to get some lunch. Titus walks through the house, and he's like, idea. And I'm like, okay, let's hear it. Cupcake. No. And then other times his idea is iPad, right? Idea! What? iPad. No. You're cut off, dude. You're an addict. You're cut off. Too much iPad. Too much iPad. My point is, is that my son's two. And all his ideas are something that brings him pleasure. But that's to be expected because he's two. We're the people of the book. We can't walk around acting like we're two anymore. We can't. We can't be tossed around by every desirable idea that pops in our head. That's what separates us from the people out in the world. They do what they want to do. We do what God wants us to do. They live by the rules that they made up themselves. We live by the rules that God has laid down in his holy word. Can you say amen? We're the people of the book. It's what sets us apart. It's the thing that makes us different. We here at the Way Church are led by the Spirit, but we're grounded in the word. And that's the way that we as the people of God have to live our life. Because there's a lot of spirits that are speaking to you. I'm just saying, there's a lot of spirits that are speaking to you. And the only way that you can discern whether or not it's the Holy Spirit of the living God is whether or not the words that are being spoken into your heart line up with what's written here in God's word. Can you say amen? That's how we discern. That's how we know if the voices that we are hearing are the voices of God or the voices of the world or the voices of ourselves or the voices of the enemy. Because there's a whole bunch of them trying to bombard you all at once. But if you know what's in this word then you know if what you're feeling, if what you're hearing comes from God. And that's what sets us apart. The scripture says that all scripture is God-breathed. What it says is inspired. But, but I like that, that word inspired in the Greek. It's, it's like, like theonumia, uh, which, which, which the roots come from that or our theology, right? The word theology means the study of God. And then that other one is what really gets me, pneumia, right? Does that make any sense? You ever hear of a pneumatic tool, right? Yeah, it's run by air, right? And so it means, means air or breath or wind. So in that scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when it says that it's inspired, it means that it's God-breathed. It's God-spoken. It comes from the breath of God. It comes from the Holy Spirit of the living God. Man, I, I love the Old Testament word for Holy Spirit. Do you know the Old Testament word for Holy Spirit? It's Ruah HaKodesh, which means righteous wind, right? Righteous wind, Ruah HaKodesh. I always teach my kids that, man, when we're going over that. I love it, dude. That's what we named our paintball team at camp last year. We were Ruah HaKodesh. We dominated, dude. We dominated. We blew in there like the wind of the Holy Spirit and decimated everything. Or Pat, no, man, never mind. 
We're the, we're the people of the book. So my question for today's sermon was this. i got to hurry up. So much truth, so little time. What does the Bible say about the Bible? The Bible says that it is, it is the inspired word of God. The Bible says, yes, this is God's word. Right there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, you know, uh, Psalm 119, the entire book, man. Just, let me share just a real quick, you know, section of that, man. It says, um, in Psalm 119, it, it talks about itself. And, and it says this, if my phone will load. <laughs> Technology, man. Look, it says this, it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all your laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts. I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. The Bible says that the Bible is the word of God. And of course, skeptics and atheists will say, of course it does. Why would the Bible not say that the Bible is the word of God? What if it didn't? What if it didn't? Or, or, or what if it didn't say that all scripture was God-breathed? What if some of it was? And then we had to go through and do like the buffet Bible like a lot of people do. You ever heard that term buffet Bible? It's like I take the stuff I want and I leave the stuff that I don't want. And people would get to do that. But no, 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 no. The Bible testifies to itself that all Scripture is God-breathed, right? This isn't a buffet Bible. This is what you ordered. This is what you get. And I just want to be transparent with you. I don't like everything this thing says. Some of the stuff I'm reading, I'm like, mm -mm, I ain't doing that. God's like, yeah, you are. I don't like it all. Doesn't matter what I like. Doesn't matter what I like. But yeah, the Bible says it's the Word of God. And, of course, people are like, well, of course it says it's the Word of God. Any book, any book, the author could say this is the Word of God. And you're right, they could. But can they back it up? I mean, you would think that at this point, I mean, with all the education and all the technology and all the research and all the experiments and all the life experience that we have, that we would be able to come up with something with more truth with more grace, with more love, with more life-changing, soul-saving power than the Word of God. I'm waiting. Waiting. I mean, you would think at this point that they'd be able to come up with something better, right? But they haven't. And they won't. Because they can't. Because this didn't come from man. This came from God. I like what Jesus says to Peter out there in Caesarea Philippi when he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, that you're the Messiah. Well, no, no, not who do people say. He doesn't care about who people say. He says, who do you say that I am? And that's the question that we all have to answer ultimately, right? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, I say that you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter said, this, didn't, this revelation didn't come from man. This revelation came from my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church. This word, although it was penned by human hands, this word didn't come from people. This word came from God directly to you. This word came from God. This word didn't come from any people. 
And everything else in this world will crumble to dust. And yet the word of God will last forever. 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 It will stand. Forever it will be truth and grace and love and the power to save souls and change lives and change everything. In you. Through you. And around you. In the, uh, the book of Acts in chapter 8, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit told Philip to go down a certain road. And when he did, he saw an Ethiopian eunuch that was one of the queen's men riding on a, uh, on a cart, on a carriage. And he was reading the book of Isaiah out loud. The book of Isaiah where it says, And a lamb was led to slaughter, and he didn't utter a word. And Philip just rolls up on him, man. You got to love Philip. He said, hey, bro, what you reading? He said, I'm reading this scripture, man. He said, do you understand it? He's like, not really. How can I understand it if somebody doesn't explain it to me? And Philip said, okay. And the Ethiopian says, is he talking about himself, the prophet, or is he talking about somebody else? And the Bible says that Philip used that scripture that Old Testament scripture to tell this Ethiopian eunuch the truth and the good news of Jesus Christ. And they were going on down the road and the eunuch said, man, there's some water over there. Anything keeping me from being baptized? And Philip said, man, if you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, ain't a thing keeping you from being baptized. And so they walked out there in the water and they dunked that fella in Jesus' name. And he left his old life behind. And he was raised up into a brand new life in Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that that truth right there, it started and ended with the Word of God. It started and ended with the Word of God. His heart was burning because of the Word of God. Right now some of you all's hearts are burning because of the Word of God. The world has spoken a lot of lies to you. Let me share some truth with you. At the end of the day, the only thing that's ever going to matter in your life is your relationship with God and the relationship with the people you love. That's it. All the rest of this stuff is going to crumble to dust. It don't matter how much money you got. It don't matter what kind of car you drive. It don't matter what kind of games you got. It don't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter what you've done or what's been done to you. The only thing that's going to matter in your life is your relationship with God and your relationship with the people that you love. That's it. If I haven't learned anything else in my life, I've learned that. That night I was sitting in that hotel room and I wanted to die. But God wanted me to live. I wanted to die. But God wanted me to live. And the avenue that he gave me to be able to turn my back on death and open up my eyes to life was the word of the living God. Can you say amen? Yeah, man, give him praise. Come on. the same thing is available to you right here right now you know what you're promised in life not tomorrow not even this afternoon you're promised this moment right now and the grace of God if you would receive it that's it 
That's it. So let me share with you what was shared with me. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's me and you and everyone you've ever known. Dead in our sin. The preacher's in the pulpit, the addict in the alley, the businessman living in the penthouse, or my brothers and sisters living under that bridge. All of sin. All in need of the grace of God. And the wages of that sin are death. Jesus told a bunch of church people one day, if you die without me, you'll die in your sins. You die in your sins, you die separated from God. Spend eternity in hell. Totally up to you. Yeah. God never sent anybody to hell. A lot of people sent themselves. I almost did. I was ready to go. He intervened. That wasn't a but me moment. That was a but God moment. But let today be a but God moment in your life. Because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. An eternal life that doesn't start after we die. An eternal life that starts right now. Eternal life starts the moment that you surrender your life to Him at the cross of Christ. He showed His great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we got it right. Not after we checked all the boxes and filled out all the application. Not after we cried long enough. Right now. He said it is finished. And if you'll surrender your life to Him, it is. And it's also just begun. And here comes my favorite word in all of Scripture besides Jesus. Romans 10 and 13 says that all that call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not some. Not most. All. Everybody. Even people like me. And if he can save me, I promise you he can save you. Paul said he was the chief of all sinners. And I was like, me too. Romans 10 and 9 says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead by the power of God and you'll confess with your mouth in faith that he is Lord of your life that you will be saved not should be, not might be, not could be will be